Well, hey, welcome back to the Transformers. Dude, 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 dude. The music hasn't hit yet. Oh, oh, shit. Sorry. Sorry. Well, hey, welcome back no, to the hey, Transformers. Oh, it's, still, it's still doing the, the noises yet. There hasn't been like actual music yet. We gotta wait for the music. Uh, uh, all right, okay. How long is this gonna take? It's Steve Jablonski. It could be 10 minutes. <sighs> hey, fellas, we're already running tape. Chop, chop. Okay, okay. Right. Well, hey, welcome back to the Transformers Nitpickers Podcast Show. I'm Paul. I'm John. And today it is Transformers Age of Extinction. The movie you all waited for and we held off for as long as we could. <laughs> you know what? I will say, Paul, it was not as bad as I thought it would be. No, no, it wasn't that bad. There, Some of the reasons, though, that it wasn't great. There were a lot of reasons. Um, mm. uh, you know what? I'm going to say this, dear listener. I know some of you really do love this movie, and I, in my notes, made a point of going through, and I had a little tag I would put on that just said, I like this. And there were quite a few things I did like, moments I liked about this movie. On the whole, uh, it, it's a bit of a mess. It's a, it, it's a bit long, too. <laughs> it is the longest of the trans in the franchise. Two hours, 45 minutes, I think. Um you know what? Well, let's get into it, Paul, because we usually go through the cast here. Uh, we have Marky Mark as Cade Yeager, the most mm. forced name, last name I think I've ever heard <laughs> yeah. in a movie. Gee, I um, wonder if he's based on Chuck Yeager, the I guy that should have been an astronaut but never was. Yeah, well, because he's an inventor. It's what he does. <laughs> I, I'm looking for truth. I'm an inventor. I... If you want a drinking game for this movie, take a shot every time Marky Mark says, I'm an inventor. <laughs> With his Boston accent. Oh, my God. Yeah, who lives in Texas. Anyway, oh, so also in Texas, he's also got um, Nicola Peltz plays uh, Tessa Yeager, who is also known as Piece of Cardboard for all her personality. <laughs> and this poor girl, the makeup department, decided to paint her up like a 12-year-old who just discovered her mother's Mary Kate cosmetics. <laughs> It's one way to put it, yeah. It, it's borderline clownish. <laughs> it's bright pink lipstick. It's way too dark eyeliner. That her cheeks look like somebody just smeared a pink splotch in them. It's cheap. Um, well, okay, let's just keep going through the cast here. Uh, we have T.J. Miller, the problem actor nobody likes, playing Lucas. Um, yeah, if you know T.J. Miller, dear listener, you know his history. You know his problems. Um, mm -hmm. But fun fact for you, Paul... Um, T.J. Miller at Bay did not get along. He does not get along with many of his colleagues. Uh, but apparently there was an argument on set where uh, Bay yelled at him, Be funny. Say something funny. We hired you to be funny. I can cut you from this movie. Which, when I read that fact, I was like, Oh, now I see why that happened. <laughs> Which we'll get to. Uh, who else do we have? We have Jack Rayner as Tessa's boyfriend. Uh, we have... Have Kelsey Grammer as Frazier. Frazier. Cemetery. <laughs> Fra Even yeah, I noticed that. I, I, I honestly don't know his character's name because I just wrote Frazier the whole uh, time. Attinger, I think. Frazier. <laughs> uh, we have Titus Welliver, who I've seen in other stuff. I kind of like him. He plays uh, Agent James Savoy, who's Frazier's muscle. Uh, and then we got the Tooch, 
Stanley Tucci <laughs> playing Joshua Joyce, who brought forward most of the tiny moments of joy I had in this yeah, movie. He's, not bad. Um, he's great. Dear listener, uh, go watch him in Julia and Julia. Um, I haven't seen The Hunger Games, but I, I know he's over the top and great in that. And you know I like the bad movies. Uh, <laughs> go watch The Core. Uh, it's really, really bad, but The Tooch is great. With easy to work with Hillary Swank, I think you said when we did the G1 episode called The Core. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so then there's Bing Bing Lee who plays Su Yu Ming. She's the, I guess, owner of the factory in China. Yeah, um, they don't really make that very clear, though. Well, no, but I bet you if you watch the release in China, she is a major character in this with a lot of editing because she is she's that Chinese character they shoehorn into a movie so that they can release it in China and get a shit ton of Chinese funding. Okay. Um, it ha- um, the Independence Day sequel had it. It's, it's, it was an, an era in the late 2010s. Um, okay, let's get into the important characters here. Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime, of course. Mm-hmm. Our boy is back. And Frank Welker comes in as Galvatron, and while yes. he does not have many lines, holy shit, does he nail it. When he first says, we'll, we'll get to it, yeah, but the, the first time he says it, holy shit, I was like, whoa, I'm back in. <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm. You got me? Just let him keep talking. Um, the, we do have some other Autobots. We have Hound, who's played by John Goodman, very noticeable. We have uh, racist McStereotype Drift, played yes. by Ken Watanabe. <laughs> At oh, least boy. they got a Japanese actor to play him. Though. And yeah, Ken Watanabe's an amazing actor. Uh, but oh god, he's such a cliche. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like. Do you remember the Super Friends in in, in the seventies when they were like, we need a we need a an, a racial character or like ethnic characters. So let's have a black lightning and let's <laughs> have like samurai with really bad accents. Like that feels what they're doing here. Well, yeah, especially where he calls Optimus Sensei. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's uh, John DiMaggio, who's just a massive name in um, in animation and voiceover work. He plays Crosshairs. Uh, Mark Ryan plays Lockdown. And the reason I find that interesting is that Mark Ryan voiced Bumblebee in all the other Michael Bay movies when Bumblebee actually needed a voice. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, isn't that neat? And I guess he did like a bunch of the video games, too. Which I, I have not played, but he did Jetfire and whatnot. Uh, uh, music again by Steve Jablonski, and he nails it for oh, the yeah. most part. There's a couple... The whole ratchet scene has amazing music um and then michael bay directs it and that's why it looks like what it is and it's an editing mess uh <laughs> cost 210 million to make made like over 1.1 billion at the box office and get this the role of kd Yeager was originally offered to the rock if you smell oh wow what the rock is cooking yeah, I don't know if that would have made it better or worse. I really don't. Yeah, I, yeah, I could not picture The Rock as an inventor, though. But, yeah, you could picture Marky Mark as an inventor. Well, yeah, I could be yeah, touche, touche. But no, <laughs> he's an inventor. Uh, yeah, oh, and this was the other neat thing. Well, there's two interesting things about this. This movie, I can't verify this, but I did read it, that this movie, on average, changes shot, changes camera angle every 2.8 seconds. Oh, so, Lord. Paul, did you hear that ding? <laughs> Yeah. There's another one. There it is. So yeah, dear listener, those dings you're hearing, every 2.8 seconds, every ding, they switch to another camera angle. God, that's annoying. Um, and the Hong Kong scene, pretty much the entire Hong Kong downtown scene, the chase in the roofs, all that, 
on a set in Detroit. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they, it, and the set was so big, it took four months to build, and they had to incorporate the, they call it the people mover, the Detroit people mover. It's their elevated rail. The rest of the world calls it public transit, but yeah. they had to incorporate the people mover um, in, and like it would have to film around public schedule or public transit schedules. Didn't even have the clout to shut down traffic in Detroit. <laughs> oh, God. I would hope that Michael Bay cannot override public transit. God. I, I live in Vancouver, and we had a... When they were making Deadpool, the first one, they shut down the viaduct, and traffic was a pain in the ass for, like, two, three months. And, you know, we all love Ryan Reynolds, this city especially. Um, and Deadpool was a fun movie, but my God, it was a pain in the ass. Gets old after a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, that we're complaining about stuff, should we start on Age of Extinction? Sure. Actually, this is kind of interesting for a Michael Bay movie. There's no voiceover, there's no anything, we just see stuff happening. Not, not even a, a thing that says where we are in the Middle East, that always pops up. <laughs> but yeah, a whole whack of spaceships enter Earth orbit, and this must be a little while ago at least, because on Earth, a dinosaur is having a snack. He's eating dino DNA. Um, yeah, these big weird ships kind of do a slow cross, or a slow um, pass across this valley and start dropping very transformery bombs. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, and start launching these spinny things, and they're blasting up the valley. These dinosaurs are in, and everything just turns into magma and ashes basically we will find out later it turns into metal but yeah it like it, it's very independence day like they drop these bombs and then there's this growing wave of magma lava explosion kills a whole bunch of dinosaurs um down at the far bottom left of the screen you do see one little dinosaur hide under a, a crevasse and he comes out later um <laughs> but then we go to a geologist who's named darcy and boy she shouldn't have come here darcy you fuck yeah well and the guy that tells her that either is or is trying very hard to look and sound like Colin Farrell. And uh, <laughs> I, I called her a woman with an accent in a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, she's a geologist. And they found dinosaur fossils covered in metal. Yeah. And it's I guess it's some it's they're trying to force this thing. I love because they go out and there's just this one dude with a rifle standing beside a metal detector in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, you've got to go through. This guy will kill you. And she she has a great line where she's like, hey, we're geologists first. If there's any historical significance here, I'm shutting this down. And I laughed out loud right away. I'm like, what geologist are you that's just going to come into a private company and... What power do you think you have? Because this looks like a massive mining operation. Yes, exactly. But she walks up to this, I don't know, I called it Tyrannosaurus fossil, basically. Yeah, it kind of looks things, like Things, or just wraps her knuckles on it, and you hear the sound of, like, metal. Yeah, oh, I don't, does she wrap it, or does the other guy, oh, no, the guy even hits it. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, he takes a hammer, hits it, and at that point, I'm like, oh, you're you're both geologists, are you? This is how you care for dinosaur bones, <laughs> and then a brand new find is you start hitting it with a hammer. <laughs> but now we go to Texas, where they drive on the left side of the road, at least this part of the movie they do, and Marky Mark and some guy named Lucas arrive downtown, wherever this but before is. before that, before this Paul Marky Mark he America's so hard oh yeah <laughs> he's driving in a pickup truck 
wearing his ball cap beside a train on the American open plains With the behind country him. music Listen to the country music. He America so hard. <laughs> this might actually America harder than the beginning of Revenge of the Fallen that had its whole Apollo astronaut thing. Where they find the freaking spaceship instead of just landing on the moon. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he America's hard. Uh, but yeah, like you said, he meets up with Lucas and uh, they, his license plate would lead us to believe he's an inventor. Yeah, well, it just says Jaeger, I think, and then it says something else on it. But I guess he and Lucas are here to buy a dilapidated theater. Or to uh, scavenge it for junk they can buy. But um, we do get a, yeah, a little bit of a cameo here by Richard Rihel. I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but I always remember him, the guy from Office Space who has to jump to conclusions Matt. It's a mat where you jump to conclusions. Um, I haven't seen that movie in ages. It's it it still holds up. It really does. Uh, but anyway, the, yeah, they they buy stuff like they they want to get an old projector. There's a dumb scene with a football. There are so many footballs laying around in this movie. Well, at least this one kind of comes back later. Like Marky Mark throws the football to Lucas and he just dings him in the head with it. And he tries to throw it back and he just bounces it off the floor because he can't throw a football. Now, that was the, maybe the one brief moment because it feels it felt to me. It felt to me that they're trying to recapture the Sam and his dad magic with Cade and Lucas. This scene kind of did it, but it, it's that's as close as it gets. Yeah. But uh, and because why not? There's a cab over engine semi truck covered in dust and drop sheets in here. And uh, when Marky, whoa, Mar- whoa, Paul, whoa, where do you where do you park your semi cab? I park mine in old abandoned theaters, all nine of them. But when uh, I still have called Marky Mark, so I don't think we learned his first name yet. When he opens the door, a bunch of shell casings fall out of it, which is the part of the thing that stays where the gun is when you shoot it. Like that doesn't make any sense. I assumed it was Optimus's shells from when he was firing, but then I was like, no, they always eject those. So yeah, it's, but I mean, you're looking for sense here. Um, by the way, his name is Cade. He's the one character who I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to feel stupid if I call him Marky Mark the whole movie and then realize I'm calling Frazier, Frazier. And (laughs) I, I don't even know Tessa's boyfriend's name. I just call him Tessa boyfriend. Um, but yeah, they uh, they find. I mean, look, we know who it is, right? It's oh yeah, it's Wheeljack. <laughs> and they want to buy Wheeljack, and now we go to a jeep full of pretty girls in a Michael Bay movie, and two of them get out, and one we find out is Kay's daughter, and she checks the mailbox for Jaeger Robotics, and then starts walking down her two and a half mile driveway. Like, why wouldn't her friends just let her check the mail and then drive her up to the house? <laughs> right? Like, come on, man. Right. <laughs> What assholes! They can probably see her walking up the driveway, and the rearview mirrors are roasting away, laughing at her. Oh boy! Um, oh, and and uh, Tessa didn't get a scholarship or whatever. Her student loan, I called it. <laughs> yeah. And then we go to an exposition news scene where they're talking about basically the human and Autobot alliance has ended, and then we meet Fraser. Um, and he's he's a bad dude in this movie, and he always talks like this. Yeah, it's the table full of shadowy men at the shadowy table, and the one guy explains the CIA is trying to hunt down any surviving Transformers, whether they be Autobot or Decepticon, because they don't see the difference, and we're going to keep all of their technology in American hands. I'm going to bet most of the dear listeners, and definitely you, Paul, have not seen a really bad movie called Money Plane, but this, I think this came out, I'm almost certain this came out before Money Plane, and this is like the 
predecessor to Kelsey Grammer's character on the money plane where he plays the rumble Darius Grouch the third I think or something but he's the rumble and it's it's this grumpy old bad guy who's uh, but yeah the, the neat thing about that we find out from him is that transformer tech there's money to be made in salvaging this shit yeah like people like it shows like a commercials i guess or youtube videos of some guy downtown like i found this thing it's got 36 guns on it you can have it for five thousand dollars and apparently the russians are getting involved selling off the stuff that they found yeah yeah um but on the whole america's controlling it and and uh, he's got a line like the age of the transformers has ended and i i like this i like that we have advanced the plot line of this franchise so that or this series so that um Robots in disguise matters again. Yeah, exactly. Like, these guys need to go into hiding. And uh, back with Marky Mark, I guess his name is Cade, he gets home towing what is clearly G1 Optimus Prime, and in the house, his daughter gets on the laptop with her boyfriend, and but then she hears dad pull up in the driveway and even though it was just sunset now it's the middle of the day and she's like what the hell dad you spent money on this the amount of miss i don't know just bad editing with yeah time of day changes there's a big one coming when they finally meet get uh when cemetery wind comes for optimus but yeah it is this movie i i really believe fell apart in editing it, there are so many scenes where not only does time change time of day change from shot to shot people are in different positions so they were missing marks or just not giving a shit when they were filming yeah and then we'll get into it later with specific scenes but there are a lot of them in this movie where you never see the action start suddenly it's just those two transformers are fighting in a different shot or suddenly or climbing a building or something yeah, yeah it's you never see the the point of engagement and i'm I'll, when lockdown and optimus meet later that's the big scene for me but uh we, we this is when we really get to see tj miller be about the only enjoyable character up to this point um again let's ignore he's a dick in real life but th- it's this trying to capture Sam and his dad moment where TJ Miller wants his paycheck as he paid for Optimus and Cade's like you're not a partner you're an employee and they're trying to have this witty banter and it just falls short yeah it it doesn't really work and they get in the shop and his daughter reminds Cade like we're way behind on the bills and now the real estate lady is here with prospective buyers because he is six months behind on payments and by the way I know you're stealing power from the pole down the road there was a great line though because we before that Cade and his daughter they we have the scene where we see that he's an inventor um because <laughs> we're in his little laboratory and basically this guy is creating He's building cheap robots, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, oh, cause we didn't mention it earlier. There's a robot dog that protects the front door. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but Threatens he, to call 911 on people. <laughs> he has a line where he's like, hey, sweetheart, if I could fix this. this, is, this is, by the way, I do a horrible, horrible Marky Mark, but I'm not going to stop it. If I could <laughs> fix this, that's $100. If I could fix this, that's $250. <laughs> and then he's, he says something to the effect of like, how else do you think I'm going to pay for your college, assuming you get a scholarship? Well, then you don't really have to pay for her college, do you? <laughs> yeah, if she gets a scholarship, then dummy. <laughs> but yeah, they argue about who's really the grown-up in this house, and we find out that he's a single father. His, her mother is, uh, she's gone. She's gone. We're never going to address how she died or if she died or what happened. She's just gone. Oh, yeah, you had mentioned the real estate lady comes. He chases them off with a baseball bat. And yeah, like you said, we find out he's siphoning power from the neighbors. He's overdue on bills. They're going to lose the house. He has no money. 
and he insists to her that one day I'll build something that matters, <laughs> and he won't. And now we're in Louisiana, I guess, because a transformer emerges from a swamp, and there's like a river, steam river boat there, and he has a look at a dragonfly, and oh, wait, no, he's looking at a helicopter because the old Bill are here looking for something. Yeah, this is Cemetery Wind, uh, and uh, I think I mentioned at the beginning, this is one of my favorite music moments. Um, there is, they and they are, this is a very tactical team. They have helicopters moving in. They're using infrared. They spot a heat signature inside. They have uh, guys come in on, uh, like, you know, like uh, black ops guys come in with the machine guns. Yeah. And, and then they're throwing drones in, and there is this amazing shot. I don't know if you remember it, Paul. It's a long, long uh, zoom, not zooming in, but panning in shot. Trucking shot? Yeah, trucking shot. Um, where they're moving. Maybe it's not a trucking shot. Whatever. <laughs> they're moving in. Dolly, it's a big dolly. <laughs> Who cares? It's a crane shot, John. Keep moving, but they move in on this on this ship, and the music that you can hear right now, dear listeners, building up the whole time, and then boom, we're in the action. Yep, they set a charges on the smokestack, and when the smoke clears, here's Ratchet. Yeah, and he, I mean, he takes a lot of hits, and then. Does he start trying to say something to them, or does he just run? Well, first, yeah, they hit him with everything they got, and he manages to jump ashore and transform and starts trying to escape, but they just unload the Gatling gun and the missiles on him and blow off one of his legs. Now, this was the first moment in this movie where I realized we didn't really see any transformation. Like, uh, Ratchet transformed from robot to vehicle mode off screen, yep. and then he's driving. And then when they hit him and he transforms back, it's really hidden in a giant explosion that takes off one of his legs. Yeah, and uh, he's like, look, guys, I'm an Autobot. What the hell? Like, and, and they're like, okay, then why are you running from us? What are you scared of, Autobot? And he's like, look, Optimus's orders were to go into hiding, but the leader of this outfit, he doesn't care because he lost his sister in Chicago. N not from the battle. She just got on the wrong plane at O'Hare, and she ended up in Lower Shabobia. <laughs> It's like that Norm Macdonald joke about how after 9-11, he's like, I've walked the streets, but through blood and bones looking for my brother. Turned out he was in northern Canada. <laughs> but that that's James Savoy, uh, and he's, I like him. He's a good bad guy. He plays a really good bad guy. Um, but then this mysterious Transformer, who right away I like, his face transforms into a gun. Oh, this huge fucking gun. And he just blasts Ratchet. But even the gun, when he's transforming, there's this, because it's a Michael Bay movie, this wide 360 degree pan, you know, lockdown pan shot of him transforming. And the back of his head, like, transforms a brace because it's such a powerful gun. I like that they accounted for that. Yep. And Ratchet starts fighting back against these guys, but it's just too much. He's down and this other Transformer just walks past the humans. They don't seem to really care that he's here to finish Ratchet off. And Ratchet calls him by name. Lockdown. Now, Paul, do you... Well, of course you remember. Uh, dear listener, Paul and I, most Christmases, watched Transformers the movie together. And I had this theory when we were watching it this year. I'm sure there's Transformers lore, people who know it, that are going to go, yeah, duh. But it, it almost feels like sometimes the Autobot Decepticon war is just this stupid little civil war they're having that the rest of the universe kind of doesn't care about and we got pulled into. Yeah. And what Lockdown says here legitimately backs up that theory. I had to write it down. He says, Autobots, Decepticons, like little children, always fighting, making a mess out of the universe. I was like, oh God, please let this be the story. And it's not really, but they mention it a few times and I, really, I do like it. And Lockdown's 
like, all right, tell me where Optimus Prime is or else, and Ratchet picks or else. Yeah, and he, like, rips what it looks like. Ratchet's spark out of his chest and transforms, again, off screen. He transforms off screen and drives away. And then we have a very dumb scene. I don't even know why they needed this. They didn't. No. But it's the president's new chief of staff getting stonewalled uh, by the CIA and Fraser. It... I guess there's a bit where he says, "Well, oh, boy, can we get a picture with Optimus? Oh, he's I thought he was a good guy, but yeah, because eh. Fraser reminds him, you know, Optimus Prime is an enemy combatant and he's here illegally. And then the White House chief of staff seems to have forgotten that Congress passed legislation to cease everything with the Autobots yeah. because he's confused about that. Yeah, it's again, it's like it doesn't make sense. I don't know why they needed this scene. They actually, they didn't. Uh, but let's go back to Marky Mark, who cannot properly build an articulating arm on a robot, but he's an inventor. <laughs> I have it down. He's teaching number five how to paint. And he's using a roller. It's going to come out beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's, do you remember? I think it was not Johnny. Robbie the robot, was it from, who was that Nintendo Entertainment Oh, in the system? Forbidden Planet? No, oh, no. no um, oh, yeah. The Rob, the little stupid thing. There was like two Gyro games that used it. or something? Yeah, it was something like that. He, it's, it's that level of technology, right? And Pretty much. And all this thing is, is a set of eye scanners and an articulating arm with a paint roller on it. And it just starts <laughs> shaking and fall, falling apart. The problem is not that the vision tracking isn't working. It's that Marky Mark cannot properly build an articulating robotic arm. <laughs> but he's an inventor. But uh, I guess he forgot to eat because the daughter brings him dinner, which includes a tall, frosty Budweiser with the label facing the camera. And uh, she's done her homework and she wants to go out with her friends and she promises there'll be no boys. And oh my besides, God. <laughs> I think he's like, teenage boys are idiots. So, and she's like, okay, so if you were smarter when you were a teenage boy, I wouldn't exist. Is that it? This whole, I mean, I know we're trying to develop that his, he's, he cares too much about his daughter, but he is such a bad cliche of the overprotective father who, look, I'm not a dad. Maybe I don't get it, but it always creeps me out. When dads are overly obsessed with their daughter's vagina, like <laughs> fuck off, dude. Why? What he's there's parts later on where he's like, "You're never gonna kiss a boy for the rest of your life," or whatever. Like, <laughs> like he is. I get it. He's the overprotective dad. That's the cliche he's playing. But it's written to such a stupid and borderline toxic controlling level that you know what marky mark your daughter tessa is going to move out when she turns 18 and she's not going to come home for christmas and then she's going to miss another thanksgiving because she's going to be with a guy she likes who treats her with some respect and gives her some uh, get off your soapbox john i remember I've, I've mentioned this in the show before but i used to work with a guy when his second daughter was born he's like yeah she's grounded till she's 30 no boys booze or parties until she's 30 like he's that guy. <laughs> yeah, I get I get the haha it's a joke, but that's like fucking toxic. That's like, mm. oh, so because boys are in his mind, his justification is boys are shit. Therefore, my daughter should not have a social life. Pretty my much. daughter shouldn't enjoy things because boys are shit. Yet my son, who is a boy and therefore shit, can go out <laughs> and enjoy his life. It is so fucking toxic and repressive that I, I fucking hate that cliche. But uh, now it's the next day and Lucas shows up for work and there's an eviction notice on the door and Cade gets them in the barn where he's been working on the truck and when he hooks it up to a battery, it plays Optimus Prime's message to the Autobots and he's like, I think we found a Transformer. Okay, now this is something else I like because right away those two are like, fuck this, and they run. Yes. Like, because they know that the last five years have been 
dealing with rogue Transformers, and you're supposed to report this. And Kate even mentions, he's like, look, we'll get a reward. You need money. This is good. Yes, because Tessa's like, if we turn this thing over alive, I think she's the one that says it, we'll make like a hundred grand. But if Kate, he, or uh, Lucas says it. Yeah, it, but he talks them down, and he and Lucas get back to work on Optimus while Tessa runs and hides in the house because it's still a Transformer. Yeah, and, and again, going, this is kind of that, like, you're missing pickup shots here. Um, before that, I do like that Marky Mark convinces them, look, let me work on it one night and just because if I can pull some tech from it, this could be the thing I invent that saves the home. Because he's an inventor. He's an inventor. I'd try. (laughs) (laughs) You got to get the wispy up there. The way you come in is you say, say hi to your mother for me. That's because that's what he says. I do like that he convinces them, hey, let me just tinker around with it and then we'll return it but then they i don't know how this happens but a missile goes off yep and it just flies around all fancy crazy and ends up in the house and then optimus transforms and threatens to kill all of them i watched an interview with peter cullen where he was talking it might have been this movie but he was referencing lines of i'll kill you and i guess he had said to them a number of times like that's optimus doesn't say that that's not an optimus line they're like look you're an actor here's the script read it so Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say with the pickup shots, Uh, the missile that goes off and and bounces around, I think, inside the house. We don't see any of that. We just see a missile fly towards the door. We see Tessa scream, run in the bathroom. We hear noise outside. And then she's walking out of the house saying, Dad, there's a missile in the house. Yeah. Where is like, just get one quick panning shot, zooming back and forth and uh, (laughs) composite a missile in there just so I can see what's happening, because I don't this scene left me so confused until Optimus calms down. after he smacks Lucas with his gun. So yeah, Lucas is dead or paralyzed. But yeah, Kay tells him who he is and he's been trying to repair him and Optimus introduces himself and explains what happened and why he took this new form is to try and hide because they recognized him as truck so he turned into another truck yeah yeah um yeah he's been in hiding there was an ambush and uh kate offers to repair him he's like i could repair you i'm an inventor um <laughs> and then fraser visits lockdown spaceship for no reason other than to give the audience exposition nothing's resolved here they just both stand in front of each other and explain their plan that they're already both aware of and then lockdown leaves pretty much and then back at the farm kate not pretty said- much Exactly. I had to go back and watch that scene three times to see if anybody said anything of importance, and they don't. I mean, it is to us, to the audience, we learn what that they're working together and yada yada, but yeah. that's there's no reason Fraser had to go. Both of them already knew that. There's no reason they had to get together and discuss it, yeah. But yeah, back at the farm, Cade sends Lucas to the hardware store with a list, and at the CIA, they have evidence that Optimus Prime is in Texas, so it's time to send in Cemetery Wind, and I guess they're only a 10-minute drive away. (laughs) Before that, Paul, Cade sends Lucas to get supplies in the middle of the day. Okay. (laughs) And then Cemetery Wind starts to get ready around dusk. And then they're arriving to the place and the helicopters are flying through the air at sunset. We see the sun dip below the horizon. (laughs) And then they arrive in midday. (laughs) So did did Lucas spend a whole day? I mean, I know he has a line where he's like, it took me a while. I got hit in the head with a gun. (laughs) But did he take 24 hours to go do that? I don't know. But there's a quick shot of lockdown transforming and climbing a salo and then cemetery wind gets to the farm and they all get out of the suvs and the boss introduces himself as james savoy and they're looking for a truck you got a truck here yeah these two are in such a big dick competition here yeah i don't got a truck you're on my property we got a sable don't mess with texas or something like that 
that. And it's, yeah, I'm sailing from Texas, Dave. And then just out <sighs> in the field for no apparent reason, a rally car just pulls up. And back with Cade, he tries playing dumb. Like, yeah, we don't got no trucks here. What, you mean this blue pickup truck here? And Savoy's like, search the place. And they check out the barn, but there's no truck there either. They do. Uh, Savoy talks about somebody called in. And we'd have a cut to uh, Lucas, who's like, oh, shit. <laughs> we find out later he's the one that called. But, oh, oh, this is kind of neat, actually. Cade, while talking about the truck, says something, something him. He yeah. refers to, instead of it, he says him. And Fraser picks up on that and tells Savoy he knows. Yep, and use the girl. And they take them all down, and Savoy puts the gun to Tess's head and tells Cade, you got 10 seconds to tell me where the truck is. Don't worry, Paul. It actually takes him 48 seconds to count 10 seconds. <laughs> You counted. And uh, Cade's like, look, the thing was in the barn, I admit, but I have no idea where it is now. If it's not there, I don't know where it is. And where it is, is in the basement of the barn that's got boards over it, I guess, because Optimus can hear them yelling. But okay, did it not look like the boards Optimus is hiding under? First, it looked like they had about the strength and rigidity of like a single pallet. There's gaps between them. Um, But isn't that the thing Optimus was parked on? Yes. So how did that, like if it was, that rickety wood could not hold a transformer. But uh, either way, Optimus has heard enough for one day. He comes rolling out of the barn and starts, like not driving out, he actually like shoulder rolls out of the barn and starts blasting and tells Cade to run for it. Because we're not going to see him transform. I think we really legitimately see him transform twice in this movie. If even Um, that. I I know of two scenes. The big Autobot scene where they meet up later and then his fight with uh, Lockdown. His first fight with Lockdown. Or is it Galvatron? Whatever. Um, But then, yeah, Tessa's boyfriend shows up. And Optimus has some lines of like, Cade, run for your family. They're trying to kill your daughter. It's like, no shit, dude. (laughs) She's right beside him. He can see that. But this begins my confusion as to why Optimus cares so much about Cade. There's, There's definitely moments later where they're often doing their own thing. But... He is really stuck on this loyalty to humans thing. Yep. So they all get in this rally car, basically, and Cade's kind of like, who the hell? Well, the guy driving it calls Tessa baby, and Cade's like, babe, who the hell are you? And he's her boyfriend, and his name is Shane, and he drives. Yeah, he drives, Dad. Um, And they get (laughs) chased by what uh, Lucas calls big, scary cars, and I gotta admit, they look really cool. I don't know Mm. cars enough to know what chassis that is or what body that is, but they're jacked up with monster wheels, and they're painted matte black with tinted windows, big, like, rack-like and everything they yeah. look like they look badass well, they kind of look like uh what was his name dropkick from uh from bumblebee kind of that idea kind like, of with, but like, like the, the sports car with like the lights and shit on them yeah but like bigger tires more jacked up darker and, colors and matte more black, matte. Yeah. yeah just everything about it is deadly so yeah they lead these guys on a chase through the cornfield and then the neighbor's yard i guess and now we're downtown because of course we are and he causes an accident where two cars flip over a truck so two families just died so so many innocent people die in this movie oh yeah so many of them um and a lot of them by the autobots hand but yeah this whole chase is horribly blocked it's just like hey they're driving this way then they're driving that way quick cut cut to optimus as a truck now they're driving this way quick cut to lockdown as a car is anybody chasing anybody doesn't matter here they are driving in a different direction this is just a series of action shots that do not tell a story really until we get to this abandoned factory and my god how many abandoned warehouses and factories are in this town and because now they're fighting on top of this old factory and optimus drives from the roof and takes out two of the CIA SUVs and 
the humans get inside a parking garage in their car, and Shane is going to do, quote, the scary thing to escape. So he just looks at the CIA and says, ooga booga. No, I'm just kidding. What he does is have Tessa pull like the J break, and they make the hard turn and then drive off a ramp out the fifth story of this parking garage down onto a ramp that was Already set up there? for some reason. Sure. Yeah. Now, Paul, I couldn't help but notice you never once mentioned that Optimus and Lockdown fight during this scene. <laughs> and I can't help but wonder if the reason you didn't mention it is because it's almost unimportant. We do not see them meet. We just, the uh, rally car pulls into this factory warehouse area and at, just to the side on the frame, there's Optimus and Lockdown punching each other on top of a building and then we keep following the car. Yeah. What, like, the, the it's these two meeting for the first time. I want the scene where Optimus it's transforms. Transformers. I want to see Transformers fighting. Yeah, yeah it, I want to see Optimus transform, stand up, and go, Lockdown, I should have known. Yes. Right? And then I want to see Lockdown say something smart, and they charge Optimus, at each other. I finally found you. Exactly. I don't know why I'm to sound like a Frank Welker character. <laughs> and, then, and then you go back to the stupid race and, and that. But, yeah, and Optimus doesn't really do anything in this fight. He just says, K! <laughs> and they, like you said, jump. And then to follow, you know, to add even more to this, we don't see the point of action or the, uh, the the origin of it. We just see the result. They make this little jump, and one of those cool badass black cars, I guess, doesn't because all we see is it falling backwards after it blew up. We don't see it hit anything. We don't see it blow up. We just see it fall backwards on fire. Like, but when uh, the rail, the car Shane's driving lands. Apparently that cracked all the rims or something. They can't drive anymore anyway, so they all get out and run for it. But then Lockdown attacks them, and Lucas gets pretty much cremated instantly. Well, he gets turned into steel, I guess. We're, we'll find out later exactly what it is. But but yeah, um, Lockdown has a grenade that basically reacts just like those um, bombs did at the beginning with the dinosaurs. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Yeah. So he sets that off and they uh, run away and uh, Marky Mark stops as they get into Optimus and looks at Lucas's, uh, let's call it a corpse, for a half a second and goes, oh, and Pretty then much. they're going to forget about him pretty quick. Yep. And then Optimus drops them off at an abandoned gas station while he has a look around to make sure they weren't followed. And back with Savoy... I have him down as Attinger, but I guess Frazier flies Sorry, in. Sorry, Paul, before Savoy, can we just point out that, like, is this even a Transformers movie at this point? Because Optimus sh drops the humans off and says, I'll go look around, bye. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, he just came back. Why is his story not being involved? I mean, I'm going to get into a whole thing with Transformium later and, and, and budget, but <laughs> I, I think it's because they didn't have the money to put every Transformers thing they want. It really feels like this movie didn't have as much money as Michael Bay wanted to make it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Anyway, you were talking about Savoy. Yeah, well, uh, Fraser flies in just to personally call him a fucking idiot. And the story <laughs> in Washington is that they were chasing a Decepticon, but they had better find that Jaeger family because they know the truth and, uh, you know, loose ends and all that. Yeah, which, you know what? It makes a little bit of sense, kind of. Although, if it took Fraser telling Savoy that those three need to be dealt with, or four at the time, then it doesn't make sense that they were chasing them earlier. They should have been focused on Optimus. Would 
whatever, but we have, okay, man, oh man, was this creepy. Uh, so we have a scene with uh, Marky Mark and Tessa and her boyfriend where we find out that Tessa's boyfriend is 20 years old and she is 16 or 17, but basically. She's only 17. Yeah, cute winger. <laughs> He should not be dating her. It's illegal. And then he tells uh, them about the Romeo and Juliet clause or law exemption. Yeah, because they've been dating since he was 17 and she was 14. She says since they were, she was sophomore, which we call grade 10 here in Canada, dear listener. And he's even got a copy of the, the Romeo and Juliet law, which is apparently is a law in Texas, in his wallet. Like so, it, it it gets questioned enough that he has a printed copy of this law in his wallet. Like. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> dude, if you, if you're, if I knew a guy was carrying around that in his wallet, my first thought is pedophile. Pretty much. <laughs> That's my first thought. But uh, yeah, Tessa points out that all Cade needed to do was report Optimus, and Lucas would still be alive, and they wouldn't be fugitives, and you know, wouldn't be as bad as it is now. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh uh, one thing we forgot to mention because it comes up now is uh, when Optimus burst out and I'll kill you all. Cade grabbed one of the little drones uh, from Cemetery Wind, and now he hacks into the drone and finds footage of Autobots being killed. Yeah, he sees Ratchet's last moments, and now I guess they're just raiding abandoned gas stations for parts, and he tries using the drone to use an ATM that's a little further away, but his accounts have been frozen, except wasn't he broke anyway? Like, yeah. He's not going to get any money. Which doesn't matter because later on they buy stuff. <laughs> but um, then, for, I don't, this doesn't make sense, but he sends Frazier a picture, I think, of the it looks like he's sending video footage of the drone holding a sign, but the drone should be the one recording it, but that doesn't matter. It just says something like, I'll get you, or I have your toys, or whatever. But they escape in Optimus, who sends a signal out to all Autobots, and then he scans another passing big rig, and now he's fully repaired. In a mess scene, like, it, 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 it was like... Like, there's a whole bit where he, some of it's transforming, kind of, but then a lot of it is just old rusted paint peeling off. Like, yeah. that's... That's not a thing Transformers do. It's whatever. Um, but yeah, he turns back into the Peterbilt, except now it looks like it should be in like um, one of those drag race. You know, when they have those like big drag race things <laughs> with the, the semis and they're pulling the flames wings. down the side. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks like that, like the exhaust pipes going up or it's, it's something. He pops wheelies. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom bring with the saw going off. But um, the, we get our big scene of all the Autobots getting back together, at least in this movie, and the Autobots are Hound, Drift, Bumblebee, and Crosshairs. And they all meet up and transform, and I thought the big guy with the big gun was Bulkhead, which would make sense. Nope, it's Hound, because you remember Hound, John, you know, the Autobot scout that was kind of a pacifist, used holograms. Yeah, the big burly guy uh, who liked to fight everything, whose name was... <laughs> He's got a cigar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I do like later on, you realize it's actually um, a giant uh, shell casing. But um, yeah, they're, they're very combative, and I feel they were trying to go for this, like, oh, we need a leader, we've been, you know, the team is falling apart, but they're really just all assholes. Well, yeah, as soon as they notice the humans, they put the guns on them, but Optimus calls them off, and they're all the Autobots that are left, and uh, 
I called him Samurai Guy at first. We find his, his name is Drift, and we also find out he's a triple changer, but calling him Springer was out of the question, I guess. He says that he Bumblebee... turns into a helicopter. And a car. Yeah. <laughs> why not Springer? But yeah, apparently Bumblebee's been in charge since Optimus was gone, and things have really gone fucking sideways ever since then. Do you know what I think happened? I bet that he would he was about to be Springer, and then uh, they somehow... Maybe they booked Ken Watanabe or agreed to do do the movie, and Michael Bay came in and was like, Fucking yeah! We got a Japanese guy! Hey, turn him into a samurai! Is that racist? I don't give a fuck! Give him big tits! Oh, he's a dude? Let's get another dude uh, chicken here! Give her big tits! All right! Michael Bay! But then all the Autobots start fighting over that, and Optimus tells them all to knock it off, and lockdown is after them, and humans are helping, he tells them. Yeah, they don't know what humans, so Kate says, well, hey, I'm an inventor. Let me show you something. And he plays that footage of an Autobot being killed. Uh, Hound says a name that I couldn't, I don't remember, and it was like, oh, it's so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Ratchet. But then they're like, they realize that it's this company called KSI, and Noble and, you know, calm-measured Optimus says, I'm going to fucking kill them all. <laughs> as soon as he finds that guy. And now we're he's in. He's dead. Like, he's this, uh, I know we're into angry Optimus with these movies now, but it's not right hearing Peter Cullen like say, like. Adam Sandler bit where the guy's like, I'll feed his balls to his fucking mother. It's, it, it's yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. He's told Boots. Willie. <laughs> but now we're in Chicago and Cade sends his daughter and her boyfriend off to steal supplies, he tells them. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Avena, here's my plan. And it's, I mean, the plan is dumb. Like, we're going to ha- break in and blackmail them into giving <laughs> us our freedom. But now at KSI Industries, Mr. Joyce is in the building and he <laughs> is exactly Mark McKinney's like boss character from Brain Candy. Like he comes in like, what the hell was that? Like, what? why did the door make that sound when I come in? It should sound like the future. It's like when they comes in like they, in the Brain Candy, they try to get the carpet to match his socks. And he's like, are we ever going to get the big table or do I got to cut down that fucking tree myself? He's exactly that character. I, yeah, I always see when, when it comes to that character in that movie. By the way, dear listener, if you liked Brain Candy and you haven't seen the new season of Kids in the Hall on Amazon Prime, you got to watch it. It's beautiful. But uh, he, yeah, I, I always heard Lorne Michaels when I hear Mark McKinley's executive guy. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, but yeah, the Tooch crushes this. He is, I will say, that man can wear a suit. Holy fuck, can that man ever wear a suit? But he plays this um, kind of a eclectic billionaire who, yeah, like you were saying, he has this whole thing where he wants a certain sound played, and it it feels to me that the Tooch is the only person who realizes what a silly movie he's in. Yeah, and he's just having a great old time doing it. He's like, oh, oh he's what, what was his name? The guy that played Simmons in the first three. Totoro. Same kind of idea. Like, he, he knows he's in a dumb movie, but he's just going to have as much fun as he can with it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then he goes to see, oh, Darcy. Darcy's back. I I was surprised to see her. I really thought she'd be a throwaway character. Uh, but she tells the Tooch about the metal dinosaurs, and he's like, yeah, no shit. Uh, let me show you something. And they go down to the lab. Yep. And uh, he explains this is what Transformers are made of, and a scientist says, we're calling it Transformium for now. And uh, they got it all figured out and watched us. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, they, I guess they focus grouped it. But, um, and it's copyrighted. Copywritten. But, uh, yeah, this is the Tooch, like, holds a ball of this the Transformium, which is basically programmable matter. Yeah. And kind of bounces it back and forward in his hands in a very 
cheap, cheap visual effect. It doesn't look real or there. It looks very composited in. Mm. And it doesn't do anything until he turns it into like a Beats speaker by Dr. Dre. And then a gun. And I do want to say Stanley Tucci practices incredible uh, trigger discipline in that he ha- he all of a sudden he's holding a gun and he points it at Darcy and never once does his finger touch the trigger. It is always pointed forward and outside of... He could not pull the trigger. So, good job, Tooch. <laughs> and uh, back at the hideout with Kate and the other two, they unload their halls, I guess. And then back at KSI, I still have him down as Mr. Joyce. He shows Darcy their military prototype, Galvatron. Yeah, and he's he says he's trying to build it in the likeness of Optimus Prime, but it keeps coming out looking like Megatron. <laughs> yes. And he's like, why does it keep doing that? And fuck this and fuck that. You're fired and get me a sandwich. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, it's blatantly obvious because they shortly after they have a little shot where they show, oh yeah, here's Megatron's head, by the way. We've been hacking this from information and using that information to build more Transformers. Well, no shit it's going to look like Megatron. Well, they've even got a small transformer it's brains isn't it wasn't he in the last one yeah he's in a glass case and he's like this is bullshit this is against union regulations i haven't had a break (laughs) in forever and uh uh transformers would never do this to humans he hasn't killed them yes but experiment on them no everybody says but and uh he's been translating information they've been getting from megatron's head so how great would it have been since we have megatron's head being used to rebuild this or to build a robotic army with a goofball inventor <laughs> he should have been named sumdac <laughs> i mean right and it, it came it just came point, out actually. animated i mean he this is sumdac <laughs> now that you point it out but uh, back downtown, Cade uses the drone he had before to scan a KSI employee's swipe card by knocking him over and yanking it out of his pocket. Yeah, real subtle. While and he's then... parked in Optimus Prime right in front of the KSI industry, <laughs> yes. the people who are looking for him. And then Bumblebee somehow prints him a copy with his Xi lasers, because why not? Yeah, sure. And they're sneaking in the back way to take Bumblebee, quote, in for scanning, and they get to a room with a model of a Transformer called Stinger, who was inspired by Bumblebee, but is better in every way. And Bumblebee's like, fuck that. Kicks Shane out and just starts doing donuts around the room. Way before that, there was a scene where uh, Marky Mark and Optimus, uh, after they do the ID, they're talking... the. the uh, Tess and her boyfriend are getting cuddly and Marky Mark's like, don't you fucking touch my daughter, stay away, no sex until you're 97. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, he talks like that now. But uh, he turns to Optimus and says something like, I don't get no respect. And, and Optimus goes, yeah, I had that problem with Bumblebee. Yes. And I was like, oh, this could be good. A dad and Optimus having a dad talk. Nope. We just cut right to them. Like, you, this was the moment where these two would connect. Set up and, and nothing. Swing and a miss. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it wasn't a swing and a miss. It was just standing there and watching balls fly by your face, <laughs> which is a sex thing. <laughs> but then uh, Joyce and his team come in with a woman speaking Mandarin to him. And it, it so very. This, this is a uh, Sue Yuming. Yeah, and very kids in the hall ish. He just looks her straight in the face and says, I don't speak Mandarin. It's like. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you know, he said, he's like, I can't understand you when you talk so fast. Actually, you know what? I can't understand you at all. And I think he might actually says Chinese. There's yeah. quite a few times where they're like, do you speak Chinese? It's like, that's not a language. That's a, that's a whole group of languages, which are some not, some of them aren't even closely related to others. Yeah. But uh, he tells Kay to get that 
piece of shit Camaro out of here and they all leave and as soon as they're gone Bumblebee transforms he's like that's it I've had it and he rips the prototype down just as another crew of scientists come in and they ask Shane like what did you do okay I, I want to point out another animated connection here uh, Stinger is uh, basically a knockoff of Bumblebee who is evil oh, and is going to fight how, right if he was it's, green I totally would have got it's it but yeah. Th- this is this he's, movie a couple well more than a couple times actually I've been like wait a minute that's that's an animated throw. Anyway, um, yeah, Bumblebee th- trashes everything. Uh, Tessa's boyfriend. What did you say his name was? Shane. Is Tessa's boyfriend's name? Yeah. I'm writing that down. Uh, yeah. So uh, he gets in trouble, and then we go to uh, Fraser and Joyce, and they're meeting. And uh, again, there's a lot of exposition, but Fraser says, "Hey, this Cade feller, he hacked one of your drones." Uh, so you're yeah. in it now. Like you're he knows in- you're involved with us. And Joyce, th- this is where we find out that this is the one time where they drop a hint that there's something more. Joyce says, I need more Transformium. And they, they have some deal where it's like we're going to basically own the market on Transformium and become rich as weapons dealers. But the Joyce needs the seed. Yes, and apparently the only way he'll get the seed is if Fraser gets Optimus Prime to hand over to lockdown. Yes. So now we have a plot. Uh, anyway, we go back to uh, Cade walking through the hallways, and the uh, now he has a lab coat on, so nobody questions him. Yes. Oh, and he nobody questions why some random dude in a lab coat. Yeah, is here. just walking around going, "That's Autobot." Oh, because uh, Darcy shows up, and this woman is I don't know, kind of out to lunch, but <laughs> she has a bit of a I can't even call it a conversation with Cade because they say it like one or two lines, and just she's like she points at Ratchet and goes, "Man." they killed so many of us and Cade's like no that's an Autobot they helped save us <laughs> now that's the exact point where Darcy goes what and her character progresses and learns something more but no we just cut away yes and now security is on to him and they start checking IDs and Cade runs for it but they catch him and but here come the Autobots and on the way Bumblebee scans a new Camaro and didn't he do that in the first movie but well no I guess yeah they would have all had to change their forms again to hide before this one yeah okay but then why change back like i really think okay optimus kind of makes sense because mm. it's a shitty old version but those were two bumblebee is two very cool versions of the exact same car in this movie my bet two toys <laughs> probably but yeah but if if they're all going back why change into an older camaro why not change into i don't know a volkswagen but either way he's a, he's a new camaro i repeat <laughs> two toys and back with Cade, they sit him down and Fraser introduces himself and says, look, man, this can end one of two ways. Where is Optimus Prime? Tossed salad or scrambled eggs. But uh, where's Optimus? And where Optimus is, is smashing through the windows downstairs with the Autobots. I'll kill you all! <laughs> yeah, this is, and again, uh, go with my rants about not many transformations, when B comes in, he drives towards the entrance, and then there's this trucking shot as it's moving across, and we see B jump as a car mode and start to transform, and then 90% of the transformation is done as he's behind two pillars and out of view, and then he flies into camera fully in robot mode and smashes through the wall. You rarely see anybody transform. And then Bumblebee grabs onto Drift, who just flies them up, to the room that Cade's in. I guess they can just open all the way up and he smashes the windows and Cade escapes with him. And then we have a scene with the Autobots basically just trashing the lab until the Tooch runs up and is like, hey, 
I fucking own this. Get out. Well, Optimus is like, you don't own shit, buddy. Those were my friends. And Joyce pretty much says, well, if it wasn't us doing this, somebody else would be. Yeah, they're they're spoils of war. Get over it. Also, uh, most of them here aren't your friends. They're robots we built. We hacked your genome, and I own that. And this is, I really like this line. He says, we don't need you anymore. Yeah, we can make you now. And Optimus yeah. is pretty well. And make, the, make you better. Yeah, and Optimus is like, all right. And he just orders the Autobots to head out. But now Fraser says this is now a military operation because they were attacked. Which makes sense. It, it, it does, you know, that's progressively in the plot that that works. Uh, so Fraser basically takes over the operation or amps it up because uh, the Tooch is still giving uh, orders. But they activate Galvatron and Stinger. Yep. To deal with the Autobots and are they under manual control? Because it shows them like using joysticks and shit like that. And they manually transform Galvatron, but he transforms like that ball did earlier. Like it, it's not a transformer. It's just turns into almost like sideways in, in Armada. I don't know why I drew a blank on Armada. He, yeah, he's a parts former. He's a very, he's a very complex parts former where everything comes apart and then reassembles in a different way. And I, I really believe the reason they introduced that is because it's a whole lot cheaper than doing an actual transformation sequence where you have to account for every piece moving somewhere. But you'd think the first transformation of Galvatron, if you're going to spend money on something in a, anyway, it doesn't matter. They, they didn't manual- even spend money on the first transformation of Optimus. And most of that happened off screen. <laughs> but when he transforms, he destroys two cars in the process. So there's two more families dead or paralyzed. Yeah. <laughs> they have Galvatron fire at the Autobots. And now we have a good old chase with Stinger coming after them. And now they've lost control of Gar- Galvatron, who starts firing at them on his own. Yeah, th- there's some lines where it seems to indicate that it's like it's kind of AI, but we're guiding it. And the AI is taking over. Um, then, oh, my God. The bit with the bridge, Paul. I <laughs> laughed out loud. Bit, like almost fell off the couch, belly laughing, because it's not only does it look stupid, but it lasts for such a long time. Oh, I, well, Galvatron's missiles miss the Autobots, but just blow up a truck carrying lumber or I-beams or something. And that jackknifes an Optimus and Bumblebee transform to jump over it. The humans just go flying, but Optimus catches them. And is it here or is it later in the movie where it looks like he basically slams one of their heads into this thing when he goes it, through? It's here, yes. <laughs> Tess's head into the side of a truck. <laughs> Dead or paralyzed. But uh, yeah, they just go right through this overpass and, you know, he's got them all and they're fine. And Bumblebee blasts Galvatron, but he just disintegrates and reforms and keeps driving. This was like, and this is, we're not even halfway through the movie yet, and these three humans already reached peak Sam Witwicky ragdoll levels, <laughs> and it's only going to get worse. They oh, yeah. are going to go through some of the most impressive damage taken and not a sign shown for it. It's kind of crazy how crazy it gets later on. Um, anyway, we do come up to one of the few... Optimus transformation scenes here where uh, Galvatron turns back into a truck. He's chasing Optimus. He's shooting yada yada yada. And then he fires at Optimus and just as he does uh, Marky Mark and what's his name? Shane. Yeah. Shane jump out of the truck out of Optimus. As he transforms you kind of see most of it and then he lands and Tessa is somehow standing between his legs on asphalt that has been destroyed and she doesn't have a scratch on her. No, her clothes aren't even wrinkled. Like she rolled like 17 times on pavement 
up until this point. Yeah. But Optimus if gets she the... had a hat. <laughs> the hat stays on. But yeah, Optimus gets the sword out and starts slugging it out with Galvatron. And Optimus says to Galvatron, you have no soul. Paul, you, you put a word in there that shouldn't have been there. The word starts. Because we see Optimus <laughs> draw the sword, and then we have a different cut. And they are now, Optimus was standing over Tessa. They are now 40 to 50 feet away, punching each other. And Tessa's backing up to this car. <laughs> and it's one shot in between. Nothing, like, it's just so poorly blocked. And I'm, like I said, I really think a lot of the problem is in just lackluster editing. It seems like it, but... Optimus tells Galvatron, you have no soul, and then Frank Welker, yes. like, there's no mistaking the voice, says, that is why I have no fear. I can't do his voice. Yeah, and this, and is, this was the first yeah. time where I was like, yeah, I was kind of back in yeah, yeah. a bit. So, but this fight goes on for a while, and Tessa, man, she tries nothing, and she's all out of ideas, man. Um, well, she just runs around screaming, I mean, as you would, but then a missile from out of nowhere hits Optimus. Yeah, but there's even a scene where Marky Mark's like, run! to the field, baby. I'm an inventor. And she tries to run away, and of course, the fight moves right towards her, so she runs back, and then the fight moves right back to where she is. And I was like, you know, if I was in a Transformers movie, if I'm a person and I realize, oh shit, I'm in a Transformers movie, and a fight starts happening around me, I'm not going to be worried. I'm just going to walk wherever I want, because wherever I go, the fight's going to be about 20 feet behind me. <laughs> That's the safest place to be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, here the where that missile came from is lockdown coming down the road with his ship flying behind him. Like he's not even a vehicle mode. He's just calmly walking down the road with this huge friggin' alien spaceship behind him. And when did when did the ship get here, Paul? Because it's the size of a stadium. Well, it's the ship that we saw before when he and Fraser met up for no reason. Yeah. But nobody noticed it arrive. Nobody noticed it show up. Nobody saw a giant spaceship nobody heard coming. It. The, the kind of noise this thing would coming. make yeah. to stay in the air. Really? Anyway, he's here, um, and he has. Uh, he comes up, and he's like, oh, "I got you, Optimus," and something. Um, oh, is this when he talks about? The creators? Well, yeah, he gets to Optimus and says some light of loyalty to a cause that's always going to come back and bite you in the ass. And Optimus asks, oh, who sent you? And Lockdown tells him Optimus's creators want him back. And then a smaller ship detaches from the giant one and just drops a net over Optimus in the car Tessa is hiding inside. Yeah, in some shots, this net looks like an actual physical prop, and in some shots, it looks like a really bad CGI. But yep. uh, Marky Mark runs up, and he's hanging from the... Uh, oh, yeah, did we say Tessa got back in the car? Well, she's in it now, yeah. <laughs> Trying to hide from lockdown, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so Marky Mark runs up to grab the net, and he's like, hey, yo, baby, get out of the car. Kick the window. I'm in a vena. And she can't. <laughs> and, and then he falls down and Optimus is like, Kane, I can't do anything. And, okay, Optimus moves so little. There were, these shots where you're looking up and seeing the ship, I was like, is that a, a 3D, like, is that CGI? Or is that just a model? Because, like, Optimus isn't moving, nobody's moving, and it just looks like this slow... It really looks like they built a, a tiny little model and, and put it like a, an MP10 Transformer toy in there. And then, like, <laughs> flew it over. But, uh, yeah. They take her away. Yeah, and Lockdown gets Optimus and Tessa inside the ship and basically tells his minions, throw her out an airlock or just get rid of her, something like that. Yeah, he takes Optimus off and down on the ground as the ship leaves, Marky Mark goes, no, I'm an inventor, and slams his fist to the ground. 
Here we are at the end of another episode of the Transformers Zip Pickers Podcast Show. A very special Age of Extinction episode. Uh, part one of the Age of Extinction. Part the first. Yeah. So far, you know what? Not, it's not the worst Transformers movie. Not terrible. Not terrible. No, as soon as Galvatron talked, man, I was like, oh, I'm back in. <laughs> well, we'll get more of him talking in the next half that's going to come out very soon, dear listener. Until then, if you want a something something Age of Extinction joke, you can find Paul and I on Twitter. I'm at John Sobey. Paul is at pmcpherson1. You can also contact the show via email at transformersnitpickers at gmail.com. Yeah, make sure you rate and review us in your podcast app, whatever it is you listen to us with, and tell all your friends, tell everybody you know. You can tell them that they can find old episodes of the Transformers Nitpickers podcast show at transformersnitpickers.podb.com and until the next episode keep on transforming see you later look it isn't even dead